0: And yes, again, we are live with another episode of Fire Builders Live. My name is Josh Corpel, and I am streaming live from Key West, Florida. And today is going to be a great episode. We have Rob Salafia on the episode today. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to be here. I'm I'm really glad that you're here as well. Uh, Today, you know, well, actually, before we get into all of this stuff, if you're unfamiliar with how Fire Builders Live works... What we do is we stream Monday through Saturday around 12 noon every day, and we bring on experts. We take these big topics, these big ideas, we break them down into things that are doable, right? These action, little actionable insights that you can do every single day to get better. And today we're gonna to be talking about leadership. We're gonna be talking about, you know, really what it takes to be your best self to be a better leader, to be extraordinary, to tap into those things within you that you know that you have inside of you and that you can pull out when the time is right. Now, Rob is the perfect person to be talking about this. That's why I'm really glad he's on the show. You, you, you've been an executive coach, a workshop facilitator. You're a speaker. You've done this for 20 years. You've, you've lectured at MIT. You have connections and done things with Harvard Business School. But that's just scratching the surface as far as I'm concerned. Because your previous life, essentially, you were a performer. You were in the theater arts. And you spent years um, traveling, particularly in Boston, which is one of my old haunts. I love that city. And, wow. and you know, you learned a lot about connecting with people, connecting with an audience. Um, you know, things that not, are not necessarily taught in business school. And I think that you have figured a way to meld those two ideas, the business and the theater arts, together to really become extraordinary. You've written a book, uh, that, that is all about becoming your best self and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So again, Rob, so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Josh. How do you want to kick this off? (laughs) Good question. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, kick it off by saying where are you in the world and what is a typical day in Rob's life look like these days?
1: So, right. Um, I am in Lexington, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. I'll give you a little tour. Actually, I am in Perfect. my home office shed. See, that's my golf hitting net. That's my state set back here, where oh, I do videos.
0: <laughs> um,
1: this is my book, "Leading from Your Best Self." This is uh, a nice view outside that window. So, I love I it. Feel pretty lucky to be able to have a place I can walk out my back, uh, sliders, and I can go to work. I'm on a coaching call with one of my clients from MIT. So I'm an executive, master executive coach at MIT within the the, uh, Sloan uh, uh, School of Management. So one of my coaches, uh, he's based in London, and he's there. He can't go to classes. And so I, I said, well, we're all experiencing the same thing now. He said, Rob, actually, we're not. We're all impacted by this, but we're all experiencing it differently. He said, I'm sitting, I, my kids are gone. I'm sitting in my living room. I can walk out this beautiful door right here and walk into a garden. I can relax. I can, I can blow off some steam. But not everyone. I have some people on my team. They have you know cats, kids, and dogs crossing their path all the time. And so everyone is experiencing it differently. We're all in this big storm, he said, but we're all in different boats. You know, some, I'm feeling like it's like a little dingy and it's just moving yeah. around. It's trashing us around all over the place. And so this is unprecedented, obviously. There's a lot of words that say we're all in this together. Yeah, you're in it with your family. And how you, and, and the stress level for some folks can be extraordinary. How you manage yourself in that stress is what it's about. So I've been working with folks of, uh, at MIT, they asked me to, you know, it's like I can't teach in person any longer. So they said, can you convert to a virtual classes, you know, virtual programming? I said, sure, why not? It's like pivot, let, let, let's figure it out. And I created three, uh, it's like two hour sessions and they went really well. And I came up with three uh, principles for leading in a virtual environment. Get present, get personal, get productive. So if you think about it, Get present. That's about your relationship with yourself. That means eliminating distractions. Well, let me let me look. Managing distractions is the new normal. We can either eliminate them if you can close the door. You can minimize them, which means you have to ask for support, or you can normalize them, and that's the key. If you can normalize them, that means you're willing to be a little vulnerable to share your story. That's when we realize, wow. I don't have to hang my personality up anymore. It's all integrated, my personal life, my family, my work. That's when we can relax a little bit.
0: It's like the sweet That's, spot. That's yeah, like the
1: sweet you know, spot.
0: You know, yeah. and and I think and I think that when you talk about that in this context, right, it's it's really about becoming your best self. It's becoming a better leader. It's tapping into that extraordinary presence, even if that leadership takes place in an online environment, which it yes. seemingly is doing now for for a lot of people, which by the way, just as an aside, you know, you're right in the sense that we all sort of experience this a different way. Like me, for instance, kind of being quote unquote stuck in Key West, boohoo, like feel bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then, but then also, you know, I heard stories of, of you know, new couples that just moved in together when COVID hit, and then realized that they didn't want to be like living together, and you know, so that kind of thing yeah. can happen. And uh, and so I agree that you know we're all experiencing in a different way. It looks like you're very fortunate with what you've got, and uh, and I feel like that also stems from the fact that you are you are your best self. Like you're you're living what you're preaching.
1: Well, try to anyway. I mean, it is. This is not a game of perfect. This is a game of excellence. So that means you. You. We're all going to skin our knees. We're all going to fall down on this. And it's about you know when we're under when when we're under stress when we feel threatened you know like, and it can be anything it can bring up less than desire desirable behaviors I call those shadow behaviors those are your we're all striving to be acting from the best version of ourselves, but sometimes it it, it, it just gets, you know, the, the wave overtakes us. And so when that happens, we have to have strategies to minimize the impact of those triggers and that, in the shadow behaviors.
0: And so, those shadow, those shadow behaviors that you're talking about, those are like, you know, behaviors, maybe they're good, maybe they're bad, but they're like the default, you know, they become our default behaviors almost.
1: Well, we don't want to get too used to them. We want to be, so, so in other words, uh, you know, a shadow behavior could be snapping back at our kids or our, our, spouse, you know, just not doing what, you know, you need to do to get prepared. You know, maybe it could be uh, procrastination. Maybe it, it just, you know, you end up uh, just being too slow or being too fast. That's me. I, I, I end up getting too fast. Um, I don't listen well enough when I'm under stress. So taking a breath, I have three words that people can practice. Breathe, connect, land. You take a deep breath, you breathe in, you can can either connect with your physical balance, you breathe out, and you land inside of yourself. It's a way to get more centered. And that's what we have to learn to do on a day-to-day basis, especially when we're at home, when we're uh, socially isolated, when we're working online, let's say like this. Say, you know, I work with some people. They are on video calls from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., 12 hours. And yeah. so I need to take a break. We have to build those breaks in for ourselves. So it's, it's I call it the art of transitioning. We have to take care of ourselves uh, to, in order to get more present, to let go of what just happened, take a pause point, and then focus in on the meeting the people and the subject at hand so that we the, can give, we can bring our best self to that moment.
0: Well, to bring the, the way, like the land part, I think is really unique in that uh, because, you know, I've like, I've been around the personal development space for a while now. I've seen the different ways that people approach the problem, approach centering themselves, Mm etc. And you hear a lot about breathing. You hear a lot about trying to reconnect and recenter yourself. But just that word land is great. It's, it, it's, it just is so smooth. Like, you know, you instantly connect with it.
1: It's a natural world uh, word. It's like you want to land in the meeting. So I'm on a coaching call. One of my, one of the person I'm speaking with said, she's on a call with one of her internal business uh, partners that she works with. And this guy was scattered all over the place. She said, it took me 12 minutes to land him in that meeting. All right. So that's what we're talking about. It's like she was ready, but she had, and that's what I mean about get present, get personal, get productive. They couldn't get productive until he landed in the meeting with her. Yep. And we want to be able to get that to happen a little bit more quickly. So the more conscious it's a choice like getting present is a choice so the more conscious we are of that of not letting the meeting 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 like like uh, just overcome us
0: oh it's exhausting
1: it's exhausting We we have to take those breaks in between and sometimes it can only take if you can only take one conscious breath sometimes that's that's all you need
0: yep yeah and you know like with respect to the the back-to-back meetings, because I know that you've done that. I've certainly done it where you just, you know, I've just been sitting in this chair for hours and hours, one after another after another. And um, and I read recently an article about how, how, like, one, it's just exhausting. But two, it's more exhausting than if you would have had these meetings in person because in person you have so much bandwidth that is coming in all at the same time, right? You can, you can see how people are reacting. You can see their body language. You can read, you know, there's, there's a lot about the environment that comes into how to sort of read the room quote unquote, whereas you're trying, your brain seems to be trying to do all of that. If you just see, you know, like their head and, uh,
1: You know, I I love this. I'm going to pick up on this. So I'm on a call with someone and he took a breath. He went. (sighs) You could hear it. You could see the body go like this. And there's an expression in theater. When you breathe, your audience breathes with you. So right there, by doing that audible breath. I don't know if you felt a visceral connection to that. I did. And it relaxed me. So. I, that's when I, I realized the same thing happens in person. We can do the same thing virtually. So it's done a little bit differently, but we can still influence ourselves. We can still influence someone else. We can still read someone. And we want to draw people into the camera more. The there's, mark- another thing, there's another thing that I work on. Like you, take a, you, you develop a vocal cadence when you're speaking. You take a breath in. You look at the camera, you breathe out, you speak out, right? So you breathe in, connect with the camera, breathe out, land. You want to land your messages when you speak. So the same thing, breathe, connect, land as a relaxation and focusing tool. That's also a tool to connect your ideas with somebody else.
0: And I feel like that's the mark of a good leader, right? Just the idea that you are in some semblance, gaining more control over yourself. It's visible to everybody that's participating in the conversation. And thus, like you said, when you breathe, the audience breathes with you. Like that's the, that's like the sign of, of somebody that you want to follow. You say to yourself, man, that seems like he got it together. he's not freaking out. He's not stressing out. Like I want to be like that. And, uh, right. and, and by the way, just, uh, just so that, you know, right. The comments are coming in and, uh, you know, Mary Kate saying, this is not a game of perfect, but a game of excellence. Uh, I agree with that. You got, you got this guy, which I know, you know, saying that he's, he's breathing with us, you know? So I, I agree that it is, it's, you know, it's not just one thing. It's a multitude of things in order to maintain that presence, maintain that center of yourself. But even just the, the, just this simple act of breathing Really does put you into a place where where you can slow down. So I'm right with you. Like I go fast, and sometimes I go too fast. Yep. You know, like I just want to get right in there and start talking, and 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 just and I blow through important pieces of the story.
1: We we miss the importance of relating, and we miss the
0: opportunity to truly connect
1: with others. And and it's like go slow to go fast.
0: The, what did they say? We were talking a little bit, uh, for those that are watching, right? So Rob and I were talking a little bit in the green room, quote unquote, when, before this call. And we were talking about Navy SEALs. And, uh, and, and Rob, one of the things, cause in Key West here, there's a big Navy SEAL population. They have, um, where Buds is in Fleming Key right here, the mm-hmm. big dive tank. And, uh, and so they would come on the ships every once in a while and we would get to have cool conversations with them. And, um, you know, one of the things that I always remember is that they would say, you know, like slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? Or some variation of that. that's well, right. It's more important to do it smoothly and with intention than it is to go frantic.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and what they practice are breathing exercises and a whole bunch of different ones. So they have the, the, the basic one is called box breathing, where you count four counts in when you breathe in. And then you suspend for four. In other words, you keep breathing in, then you breathe out for four, and then you suspend for four. You keep breathing out for four. So box breathing. Another one is you take a breath in four counts in, you suspend for seven, you breathe out for eight. Your heart rate beats slower when you breathe out than when you breathe in. So then that you're able to control a little bit of your uh, heart rate, and then your you know, uh, like the, you want to counteract the adrenaline response basically.
0: And, uh, and it's so funny because there was a gentleman on, uh, Mike Christoforo. He was on this show maybe three, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and he was part of Wim Hof. He was a certified Wim Hof instructor and they're all about breathing breath work. And, um, he actually had one of those oxygen sensors on his finger that monitored your heart rate and and everything and your oxygen levels in your blood and he showed on camera the power of doing what you just said just breathing right slowing down your heart rate and and lo and behold like instantly i was friggin' amazed at how how much in control he had uh yeah so it was great so i i completely agree so And,
1: and that takes practice and discipline
0: yeah exactly like um i mean he's been doing it for years the guy's just a master at it uh
1: so, so, so in, in our conversation, we're, we're, we have a little bit of an internet connection here, so it's a little bit, a little bit dicey. But um, one of the things we talked about is what could people do if they did something for thirty days?
0: Well, here, hold on. Bef- before we go there, okay. Before right. we go there, let me let's let's go back to what would, in order to show up as your best self as a leader, right? right in any real capacity. But I feel like in this day and age more as a virtual leader, let's say on Zoom calls, things like that. In your experience, what's the most important thing in order to get started working on that with yourself?
1: Let's go back to the get present, get personal, get productive, and just focus in on the get present. So that means when you sit in the chair, don't just slouch in your chair like this. Like put your both feet on the floor, sit up tall, take a deep breath in, breathe, connect with your balance, stand tall, uh, sit tall. And breathe out and land, and do that. If you can do it three times, you can do it ten times. However many, before you engage and you turn on Zoom or you you, you know you you engage in that conversation. And like Jerry Seinfeld, what he would do is he would get a. Um, if you wanted to really learn something, he would get a calendar, a red pen, and he would put an X on the calendar when he did his promised activity. And so you just keep adding up those X's for 30 days. If you miss one, just start over again. Don't beat yourself up. Just do it again.
0: I'm curious, along those lines, what is it about consistency, consistency is it that you've learned through the theater arts? Like what part of your, your show background? By the way, like we haven't really talked about what you did. I think that we probably should. Before we get into that, just give everybody just a quick taste of what it is that you actually did performing arts-wise.
1: So I did both uh, theater theater shows, but also, but I really cut my teeth as a street performer, mostly in the Boston area, but I traveled all over Canada, all over North America. I had some trips to Europe and Asia as well as a street performer. You know, this is, could be uh, down at Fanny Hall Marketplace in, in Boston, which is a renowned for this, and as well as city and theater festivals around the world. So what I did, I'm an accomplished tap dancer. I studied with the late Gregory Hines. I had a residency with one of his mentors, Honey Coles. I was an accomplished rope and wire walker. I was cast in a show in, in the mid 80s. And the director said he always wanted to put wire walking in a show. He said if I would, he would teach it to me. If I wanted to learn it, he put it in. I learned it. And I immediately incorporated it into my street act. And I'm also a storyteller. So I've been working as a professional storyteller since 1977. When I went, I drove in my bus from Boston down to Jonesboro, Tennessee, to the National Preservation for the Prepar- 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 Preparation and Preservation of Storytelling. So it was a great conference.
0: The that the idea of storytelling in street performance is almost inextricably linked, right? You yep. You have to be a good storyteller in order to captivate an audience that's Try and get from point A to point B, like trying to get their bagel or trying to, you know, sightsee in Boston and go check out.
1: You have to grab attention. You have to be interested. You have to make yourself interesting. Give them a reason to stick around and then get them to pay. But early on in my career, uh, and I described this in my book, Leading from Your Best Self, uh, McGraw-Hill it's worth it's worth reading it. Uh, just talk to my buddy um, uh, Todd that's listening on the phone on, on the program right now. He was on your show uh, last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, the thing I early on in my career, I would try and make my audience like me, and that was never a good thing. So I was putting something on them, and then I remember I can remember the day when something just let go and I stopped trying. I remember that day. It, all of a sudden, it was, I call it the art of doing nothing. And what I realized is, I became even more interesting to the audience. So I actually, it's a sense of vulnerability, allowing the audience to connect with you. So if you're struggling with stepping up and and owning and, and you know, really uh, platform skills or public speaking or, or speaking to large groups, I advise you to practice your breathing skills. And then practice walking up onto a stage, looking out, opening your arms up, saying I'm present and open, and just allowing – and just do nothing. Allow an audience to connect, feeling an audience just connecting with you. That's your best place to start because then an audience wants to you give them the time to take you in and then connect with your message.
0: Is it a situation where if you try too hard, where you you really try to do things to make people love you, that they see right through that and they just kind of they'll just chop you down at the knees?
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh, nobody wants that. It's like an, especially an audience, what they want is and, and I had a great conversation with your mom earlier today. Actually, she's a great lady, and talking about theater, and she said, you know, to be a street performer, you really have to have this. This uh, you have to own your your confidence and your courage. And really, that's what it is when it, it's really like you, you have to display confidence. So you, you, you have to feel it on the inside. You have to project it on the outside. And you people have to feel confident that you know what you're doing. You're going to take them for a ride and you're going to bring them right back, show them a good time and take care of them along the way.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's confidence that you talking about. I mean, for you anyway, for the street performing, that seems that that it was just through a repetitive nature. I mean, how it, it does
1: it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Great. Yeah. You, it, It's earned. It, for me, it was hard earned. It was very hard earned. So repetition. and I don't know what it was that said, go do it again. Go do it again. Go do it again. So you have to have a, a system for learning, I call it, and a platform for failure. It just so happened that that street was a platform for failure for me. So now it is in my bones. I feel so comfortable in front of an audience of any size. It's because I've learned how to, how to how, I, I, that's a learned thing. It's, it's something that didn't come. I wasn't born with that. It was, it was hard-earned over repetition and guidance and good coaching.
0: Do you find that, You're at the very beginning when you were, you know, learning a new skill, the wire walking, like great example, that that you're somebody that's kind of fairly hard on themselves. You know that you said, look, Rob, like the first time that you tried it and you fell, you were like, you know, look, Rob, you're going to get this. Like, keep trying it. Keep doing it. Like, stay with it until you get it. You know, you put that pressure on yourself. I feel like is that the type of person Uh,
1: I didn't. I I don't think I I put the pressure on myself. Um, I had a good coach, and what we learned was – he, and he taught me really well. It, you know, He taught me that the areas that you have to really be careful of and, – and, and I never got hurt on the wire because I was very conscious of either stepping on or stepping off the wire. That's where accidents happen. And if you have to slip off, I would always have that wire. It's usually only about two and a half feet, so I wouldn't hurt myself, even if I straddled the wire. So – What I would do early on is I would spend as much time on that as possible. So the, you you think of it in terms of the apprentice model of learning, there's a novice apprentice journeyman and master. So the novice, you have an interest in something and you know, it's sort of like you're peeking in. That's something I'd like, kind of like I'd like to do. And then it's the easiest thing to fall out of. So, you have to have somebody that's like, like like guides you into it. And that's what I had. So I entered into being a, an apprentice very early. You have to get through that novice time. If you really want it, I had to have a vision for myself and vision for myself using it on the stage. And that's what that's what it was a pull that pulled me into this. And then I would just spend time. I would eat. I would eat my breakfast. I would have a bowl of, of uh, cereal. I would I would read. I would read a book, I'd lie down on it until I just got comfortable. And then incrementally, so you move that up a foot, it's like a whole new world. You move it up right. three feet, it's a whole new world. So I was at six or seven feet, and you have to get acclimated. So you allow that acclimation to happen, and then you take the courage, and then you begin to trust yourself, and then you start to do things that are, um, you know, it's, it's a, then you work it. You, you extend yourself. It's, it's like, if you look at a juggler that juggles, it could juggle seven balls in the air. Rarely do they perform seven. They'll perform five because they want to perform in their comfort zone or just a little bit more, not the edges. Right? So exactly. somebody, you could see somebody that juggles seven balls. You know that they're working on nine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, as somebody, I don't know if, I don't know if you knew this but basically I juggled when I was about 12 I was Josh the juggler in this <laughs> duo in this duo that my buddy Matt Wetchler uh w- and I we were we were the court jesters and that's what we did we traveled around and we did these juggling and magic shows and stuff uh and oh, and great. you're right you're right in the sense that we would practice things but very rarely would we actually perform them on stage unless we were, unless we bumped ourselves up to the very next level, you know, we felt yeah. so comfortable with it. Um, yeah. but it was, but you're right in a sense that we were like, of course we were novices, but, uh, but that repetition, that trying and, and bumping it up and, you know, it went, it was like scarves first and then, um, bean bags, and then, you know, clubs and then machetes and then flaming torches. And then after, you know, and it just, but you, but it takes time. Yeah. It takes time to develop yeah. that.
1: Yeah. That's great. That's great.
0: Yeah. Well, so, okay. So perfect example here of let's say now, if somebody, if somebody took the time to actively center themselves, to breathe, to focus on those three Ps, right? Where would you expect that they would come? A a daily practice, the consistent daily practice, what would you think that they would end up? It's a great
1: question. And I've seen it. For myself, and I've seen it in others that I've coached, um, your awareness will begin to open up. Your comfort level will begin to open up. You'll have a little bit more um, critical thinking skills. Uh, one of my coaching clients was a, uh, I call him the Dukey Hauser of pharmacy. He was like 31 years old. He, you know, he got his PhD in pharmacy when he was 19. And he was on this senior leadership, this senior uh, 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 round table of senior scientists. And all of them were pretty full of themselves, even at a late career stage. And no one would listen to each other. They would all just kind of like talk, you know, over each other. And that would get him really fumed. So we worked on the breathing techniques. He said, Rob, even after just three weeks of doing this, he did it like three or four days, uh, 10 minutes a day, three or four days a week. So all of a sudden I started to sit in the chair a little bit easier and I could, I wasn't hooked by the situation and I could, I could look around and I I noticed people in a different way. So then I was able to make a, a more effective response to what they were saying. And that was actually able to move my agenda in a much more effective and powerful way than I was, than before, when I was being triggered and I was being, you know, frustrated and acting on that frustration.
0: Yeah, exactly. Acting on that emotion, not being able to really think the situation through clearly. Uh, do you find that the people that you coach in an executive capacity also you know, feel the same way in in high stakes scenarios and C suite scenarios and things? I mean, they have the same issues. I would take it.
1: Absolutely. You know, it depends upon uh, how much they have uh, taken on a, a growth mindset earlier in their career. So, some of them that have and have had coaches early, let's say in a mid career, um, of leadership, um, and they haven't spent the time on themselves. Well there comes a time when you know it it's uh they're gonna struggle at some point, and so it, especially folks at the senior level, it's usually when they're struggling that uh, they're looking for some help
0: some some yeah, exactly like something's got to give something's gotta change a little bit yeah yep yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i I love that because it, it you know it just it lands me in a way right it lands me into an idea that that we're all you know. We all end up struggling with the same things, the same general concepts, uh, the mastery of yourself and uh, not allowing your emotions to get so in the way, but thinking clearly in, in, the, in the heart of a situation, in the heat of the moment. Um, yeah. 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 And I, uh, and I love, I, I really do think that the theater arts background, the things that you learned about connection and about storytelling um, really are like paramount to to effective communication in any capacity, but mainly in business, business related capacity. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we all just want to do business with people that we like, you know, that we, that we care about and that we, that we want to hang out with. Nobody wants to do business with somebody that's, that's, uh, you know,
1: I, 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 that's been true in my experience. And I think most people can probably agree with that as well. Yeah. And so you have to, you know, what does it, what does it mean to make yourself likable? Uh, and I was on a call this morning at 8 a.m. And the woman I was speaking with, and it's a great per, a great person, really warm. But sometimes she can come across um, as, you know, in, in her earnestness, she can appear to be a little bit less warm, cold. And then she's been working on this. And the best compliment she got was from a senior person that said, you know, you, you, you just seem so warm and approachable. Thank you very much. So we, it's good when we get that type of feedback. Because it reinforces the, 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 like we get excited and we get energized when we see progress. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for ways to, you know, you want to work on something and see how, how we're progressing along the way. So it's good to have good goals and then you know get some feedback from others to say, hey, how am I doing with this?
0: Exactly. How am I viewed? Like, how are other people viewing me? And in fact, you talk about that in the first chapter of your book uh, as far as reaching out to people and saying, you know, the first step being: How do you view me in situations where I feel like I was at my best? Like what exactly? You know, what kind of things came across? How did you how did you feel like I was being portrayed? Uh, what words would you have described me? That kind of thing. Great. I think that's really important.
1: You, when, you, when you take the time to gather that information, it's a you know, choose six or eight or ten people that you feel are invested in you, that want to see you succeed, and say, "Tell me, give me three situations." when you felt I really showed up in the best version of myself, you know, it could be a project that I worked on, a presentation, whatever that is, whatever that context is, how did I show up? You know, what, what was my energy? What was my voice? What did my voice sound like? You know, wh- you know, what was my physicality like? Uh, what words come to mind when you think about me in those situations? You know, what are the situations or uh, could I put those skills to, to the best use? Those are the types of, that's the type of feedback that is uh, we often don't get, but we, it's extremely valuable.
0: I completely agree, you know, and from a, from a a software developer sense, because I don't know actually how many people know this on that are watching right now, but uh, when I'm not hosting this show, I develop software. In fact, I have a software called fire builders. uh, And, and whenever I ask for feedback, with the things that I create. Everyone always wants to default to tell you how much they love this and how much that is great and it's helped them. And I I really do try to I'm appreciative of all of it, but I really do try to make an effort and pull out the things that they don't like, the things that, you know, that the the real truth, the things that it's like, you know, you, it's okay to say to my face, right? I've got a I've got a thick skin so, so, about this.
1: Yeah, it, it's great. So so you want that critical feedback. So you know, get, get the get the positive stuff there and then say, if there's one thing that I could work on, like if there was one thing, if I were to improve this, you know, what what would you want to see improved? You know, and then they'll go, then they'll give it to you. Usually people don't, you know, they don't know how to give that critical feedback. You know, they don't, they, you know I don't want to hurt his feelings. Right? or you, you have to guide people into that sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And make them feel safe, like they're not going right. you know, to hurt your feelings or they're going to be criticized yeah. in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, speaking of critical feedback and and when things sort of things not going correctly, I just needed to ask you this as we sort of wrap up because from one performer to another, I have what I can recall as the worst show that I've ever done where everything just went wrong. And I remember the, you know, the, the, how we ended up having to get over that mentally, and then do the next show after that. Yeah, yeah, And I'm curious if something pops up in your head as the as like the crowning horrible show where everything seemed to go wrong. And you know, do you yeah. have an experience
1: something like that? that? Sure, sure. Uh, so when I was trained as a facilitator, I joined a company that used theater methodology to teach uh, you know uh, leadership communication skills. And so I went through the training process. I got certified. Um, I was working there. And it's a Friday afternoon. It's like four o'clock. And, this, and uh, the general manager comes in and says, oh, by the way, there's a group coming in. They're from the sister company, you know, the other training company. They've offered us free training. We're offering them free training. We have nine people coming in on Monday morning. We had no idea was on the calendar. And we have nobody to teach it. Would you be willing to do it? And I had never done this before. I, I'd done it in in training situations. This would basically be my solo flight in the real world. Right. And being the person I am, I went, of course I'll do it. So I had my preparation. I was, I was confident. Come to find out, they worked for a company. These were the old guard facilitators. They'd been with the company a long time and they had grievances. And there were like four or five of them. That were actually using this as an opportunity to put their ideas together to like bring those grievances forward, and my program was like their opportunity to like do this. And so this first day was like it was like you couldn't have picked the worst group for me. (laughs) I mean, I even I I have never had a corporate audience that was ever this difficult. Usually they're they're okay because they want to be there for a reason, and so. I took, I didn't go high status. I took very low status and I went, oh, I'm just a beginner. <laughs> right. right. I, I, I got them to help me out. They ended up bringing the program the second day with two day program into their corporate offices. And I remember going, I didn't talk to anyone that evening. And I just, I just calmed myself down. And I said, uh, okay, you got through it. You're alive. What and I always have to think like you're, you're here to serve. What's the value that I can bring to them tomorrow morning? So that's what I did. I and I did my I did my letting go exercises. I did my breathing exercises, and I got into a good place and that morning. That's what I did. I walked up to them. and I said, you know, yesterday was not the best day. It was a good day. And I said, you know, what would make this a worthwhile day for you guys? And they said, this is what we want to learn. And I said, here's what my agenda is. You pick it. What do you want to work on? And we mostly did storytelling. We finished up a little bit early and the leader came up to me after, at the end and he said, you know, that was, um, if I can go to something and I can walk away with something, one thing that I can do differently, it's been a success and I have that and more. So thank you. The kicker was when the next day, when I had to meet with the owner and the general manager of my company and I sat around that table and I said, "Okay, here's what I own. Here's what I don't own." And I was I was absolutely ob- objective. I wasn't emotional. I was pretty clear. I had thought it all the way through. They were the nervous wrecks. I wasn't. And so it that takes time to. Uh, it's, it, I call it the art of resilience. It, and I've been th- I've been through enough. Um, I've had enough mistakes and enough failures that I've, I've learned how to. Uh, you know, you're, you're either winning or you're learning, you know, as opposed to failing. So I was learning a lot that day.
0: Yeah, and the way that you handled it is like it almost seems like at least that first day you took the old "I don't speak English" approach kind of thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> same, same thing you would do in India and something like that. You know, where, <laughs> and, uh, and uh-huh. but it worked. It worked, and you ended yeah. up you ended up connecting with people. Right. That's yeah. what I mean. Uh, that that type of thinking on your feet. I mean, I feel like that's those are skills that you build up over time, especially especially when you give yourself the opportunity to fail. Like you said, have that fail, that platform to fail so that you learn. And uh, and so that's great. That's 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 a way better story than mine.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Like- yeah, but at least you got to turn it around and uh, and yeah, stay yeah. centered. So I I agree. I think that's I think that's a um an awesome way to end it. This conversation just in general was incredible. I got a lot out of this. So Rob, I mean honestly, this uh this has been this has been fantastic. I just want to thank you for taking the Thanks, time. Thanks,
1: Joshua. I appreciate the invitation, and uh, I've enjoyed this as, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so real quick before we go. Um, if people, how do people find you? How do people, if they want to continue the conversation, where do they go?
1: Uh, they can go to my website, uh, www.protagonistconsulting.com. And you can download the first chapter of my book. You can download a, an article I just wrote for Developing Leaders Quarterly. It's a European magazine, really great, on executive presence. That'll, both of these will give you the frameworking for for uh, the work that I do.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I'm honestly because I mean I'm speaking from experience here after reading Rob's book, like it's there's some really great insights in there. So go check out his stuff. Really, it's it's incredible. The stuff that you're doing is just amazing, Rob. So thank you again. Any yeah. parting words
1: before we go? Get present. Get personal. Get productive.
0: And, there you go. Uh, Presence is a choice. I love it. There you go. You've heard it from the man. Let's see. So Josh <laughs> Corporal streaming from Key West. Rob streaming from, where are you, what part of Massachusetts? Uh, Lexington, Massachusetts. Lexington, Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, this has been another episode of Fire Builders Live. Guys, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, we stream Monday thank through you. Saturday. Yep. So Rob, thanks again, man. And we will talk to you later. See you guys. Thanks, Josh.